Do you know what that sound means? A righteous infliction of retribution manifested by an appropriate agent. Personified in this case by a podcast. <laughs> Us. The Personal Arrogance Podcast, starring me, Eric Walquist, and with me as always, my best buddy. Uh, me, Jesse the Terrible Treble Wilson. There you go. <laughs> Jesse, movie trivia. Where, what movie is that from? Snatch, of course. Snatch, of course. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh, I love it. I was listening to the to the Golden uh, Briefcase podcast. I don't know if you've listened to this. It's a little annoying. <laughs> it sounds like some sort of Quentin Tarantino insider podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a movie podcast. But the guy, the host, uh, you know, when I listen to other podcasts, I kind of usually try to equate. I don't do this consciously, but unconsciously, I equate myself as to, to, to one of the people on the podcast. Oh, I do that. Yeah. I totally do that. So on this one, I equate myself to the host, and he talks. He he's got like the whole like radio DJ thing, but he talks like a mile a minute, and he's completely disingenuous, just in his inflection. See, that doesn't really translate well to podcasting. Yeah, but they're much more popular than we are. So who am I? Well, to, you uh, know what? I I don't really know what to say to that. Anyway, they have uh, so they have guests on every podcast. They've had people from Slash Film, like basically every movie blogger is has been on the show. And uh, they asked at the last one, "What is what is a movie that you know all the lines to?" And it's like Snatch for me. I know every line of Snatch. I literally bought the screenplay. Yeah, I know you did. I got a little obsessed with that movie in 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 high school and beyond. And beyond. <laughs> It was great. I went to a bar like a year ago, and they were playing Snatch uh, with the sound off, and I I was just watching the movie. Like I I knew exactly what everyone was saying the entire that, time. That's something I think they should do. Like a competition of at PAX is like sound off Star Wars. Oh, I, I think that's a little easy. I feel like Star Wars is every line flawlessly yeah. throughout the movie, though. You know, this is actually in the book, uh, uh, Ready Player One. Uh, this it's this it's this this video game world basically, and one of the challenges for him to win is he has to recite an entire movie line by line. Well, that's actually a lot like uh, Fahrenheit 451, where all the like all the survivors in this post-apocalyptic world memorize books. Yeah, verbatim. And actually, I mean, I guess that goes back to the oral traditions of the Odyssey and the Iliad. You know, it is interesting. I think that if if uh, the revolution does occur and and all of the lights go out, I mean, our our famous movies will turn into our fairy tales. Oh yeah, totally. You know, you'll sit around the campfire and tell the story of Star Wars. And I will be famous for my recreation of Yakov Smirnoff bits. <laughs> exactly, Jesse. How's your week, man? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, last night was my final birthing class. Oh, man. It was intense, man. It was intense. <laughs> Did you have to watch a movie or something? Well, I mean, we watch movies a lot, but... <laughs> Did you watch Snatch? <laughs> we, we watched Snatch, except instead of a, a diamond, it was a baby. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> In a way, we did watch Snatches, because it was... Uh, there were vagina- a birthing. <laughs> did they did you did they make you watch like a video of an actual birth? No, I mean we did that earlier on. Like that yeah. that part was kind of easy. This 
<laughs> so what's so difficult? What's the difficult part? Well, this was a video that was about what they call the purple period, which is kind of a new thing about how babies reach their like peak crying time during uh, like between two and five months uh-huh. and how they have like inconsolable crying and they had <laughs> that's, the, that's what reality is is occurring to them like they're yeah, understanding know, that they're right? alive it's like, i can't <laughs> handle this <laughs> <laughs> but they were talking about how like this is the peak period of time when like shaken baby syndrome occurs oh and they're goodness. like these interviews with pe- with women whose children were either killed or like horribly damaged by shaken baby syndrome uh. And basically the whole moral of the video was like, these babies cry. There's nothing you can do about it. If you get frustrated, please put the baby down and walk away because serious <laughs> consequences can occur. Put the baby in the refrigerator. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's safer in the refrigerator than your super frustrated hands. <laughs> God. I mean, was intense, man. Yeah, I well, this whole thing is like you can't get too stressed about it now, dude, because it's actually going to happen very soon. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, well. So that was my week. How yeah, was your week? It was okay. I, I had kind of a rough day at work, but I don't think anything <laughs> compares now. Thanks for setting the bar so high. Uh, so who's this episode dedicated to? Well, um, I've been in a, I've been in a, a bit of a bear kick. Uh-huh. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm a little... I'm a little tipsy this episode, oh. so look forward to that, listeners. Everybody on the cast getting tips. But I do want to dedicate this episode to one Bill Jenkins. Bill Jenkins. You might not know that name, Eric. Is he related to Gus Chiggins? I hope so. I, I hope he's related also to Leroy Jenkins. Uh-huh. But he is... Or kind... or, uh, or Mrs. Jenkins, my elementary school music teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, her husband, I'm sure. Actually, I think it was Ms. Jenkins. Ooh, questionable. Yeah. Uh-huh. Possibly divorcee. But anyway... One of the Seattle craft beer gods that everyone in the community knows and really like founded and trained a lot of the brewers in in Seattle right now and is kind of a a legend in the Seattle craft brew scene. And I in a way I actually owe a lot of my career to him. So thank you, Bill Jenkins. Bill Jenkins. (laughs) Uh yeah, thank you. And what are you drinking tonight, man? Well, uh, speaking of that, I'm drinking uh-huh. my first batch of all-grain homebrew. Hey, now. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Uh, it turned out okay. I got a pretty small yield. I used mm-hmm. a bunch of sriracha hops, which I know a uh, friend in the show and Bald Move founder, Aaron Hubbard, is a fan of. Oh. I, I also used this uh, special uh, prototype hop that we got our hands on through Hop Union. That hasn't been released to the public yet. Say and what? The bre- yeah, right? And the brewers around the scene are calling it Pineapple Express because it's super pineapple-y. That is insane. And this beer tastes like freaking pineapple juice. It's awesome. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Well, it it more it tastes like sriracha ace, but it smells mm. like pineapple juice. Oh, my goodness. I want it. I call it TK421's Ambush IPA. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> uh and this week i'm drinking uh snowcat baby it's time for winter seasonals how's it tasting this year I'm oh it's curious. good oh it is good it's a good batch it is like 
it it just brings you back. You know, like we had the idea of of what, what do we call it? The North Pole, the uh, yeah. the the bar that only serves winter seasonals. Don't say we called it that. That was all you, buddy. Well, I was. I think I was drunk, so I don't really remember. <laughs> it uh, was all you. But uh, I mean, it's just it's just everything you want in a winter seasonal, and it's already out. So here's cheers. the thing, Eric. Yep. I mean, there's still pumpkin ales, which I know you're not a fan of, and we'll get to that a not little a bit of, later. Nope. But the other thing is, there's still Oktoberfest beers out. That's true. But there's a lot of good Oktoberfest beers out right now. Yeah, Oktoberfest uh, beers are very good, but I but it doesn't matter. It's like once the winter seasonals hit the shelves, that's what I'm going for. Slayer is on the shelf, people. Ninkasi Slayer is on the shelf. Oh my goodness! I think it's too early. It's too early. It's never too early for I I no. I went to a bar in July and they had a bunch of back stock of Ninkasi Slayer and I got to drink a twenty two of that in July for four dollars. That's different. I almost fainted. It was deli- it was amazing. That's different. That's like finding, that's like finding a desert island when you're uh, <laughs> like stranded at sea, uh-huh. as opposed to like washing up on the Gobi Desert and having nothing but land for the next six months. It's too early for winter seasonals. I'm not liking it. I love it, and I always will. Things- well, I guess capitalism will prevail because I'm sure people will buy it. But I'm holding off. I'm waiting at least two months before I drink a single winter. Let's just say that uh, you're not going to have a uh, your own private booth at the North Pole. <laughs> oh, <Then>. sad. <laughs> wow. Harsh. Harsh All right. words. Well, speaking of beer, we got a phone call, guys. Thanks for uh, calling us, 360-362-0024. Listener, you too can give us a call and leave us a voicemail. We'll put it right on this podcast. We'll stick it right on here. And uh, this one comes to us from Chris in Ohio. And it goes a little something like this. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Chris here from Ohio. I was currently in the middle of listening to your podcast when I came across the voicemail from the dude from Southern California. Dropping the F-bomb like every other word. That was pretty entertaining. I just had one question, guys. I want to know what brew you guys had that you've ever tried that tastes completely not like beer. Something completely awful. I would say probably the worst beer that you've had. I just had uh, a pumpkin ale, which I know you guys hate. One of my friends brought some over, uh, had a taste of it, and I must say it tasted like soy sauce. It was the worst beer I think I've ever had. I'm not going to name names just in case somebody likes it. So, yeah, answer me this, guys. Take it easy. You take it easy, Chris from Ohio. Uh, it's a, it's stay up, fruit bag. Stay oh, up. Wait, sorry, I was just I was just channeling that other guy. Yeah, channeling our, our Southern California brethren. So, um, uh, see episode one fifteen. Uh, so <laughs> Jesse, can you answer the question? Well, the question one, on the table by Chris is: Have you ever what beer have you had that did not taste like beer? Yeah. Yeah. For one, I do not hate pumpkin beers. That's Eric. I hate the pumpkin beers. Do not speak unanimously for both of us. Let's just say uh, I think Chris is on Team Eric here. Well, um, I bet if, if I bet you, if you gave Chris a winter season right now, he'd guzzle it down. Uh, not if it tasted like uh, not like soy sauce, soy sauce or pumpkin. Yep. So, <clears throat> I at a one of the local watering holes here in uh, my hometown, which is nefarious. For not cleaning their lines, mm. 
I had a Mac and Jack that tasted like crazy, like oxygenated butter. Yeah. It was bad news. I, think I, I, don't, was, I, I don't think I can drink draft at that establishment anymore. It was so gross. I know exactly the place you're talking about. Uh-huh. And they have really long lines, which is a problem. Yeah. They have super, super long lines. Yeah. So not only does the beer get warm coming from the keg to the tap, it also, those lines are hard to clean and it's just gross. Now, mine, uh, Jesse, ironically, is I think we were at the same exact place. <laughs> is it a beet beer? It's the beet beer. That was my number two, actually. It was awful. Or, it was I don't, pretty bad. I, I, don't, I think it was it Elysian that made it. It was some like pretty well-known brewery. It I don't, it may have been Elysian. Yeah, it's like a special edition beet beer. Now we've already gone over how disgusting pumpkin is inside <laughs> any any vegetable at all. <laughs> but really, root vegetables, people. We're putting a pumpkin root, is a gourd. I know. I'm talking about beets now. Root. We're I putting know. root vegetables. In beer, and that did not taste like beer at all. It only tasted like beets. Yeah, the only cool thing about the beet beer is the color. That's the only cool thing. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I, I wanted to bring this up, uh, and I'm really happy that Chris brought this up because you know there are cool combinations. I don't want people to think I'm just a hater because I don't like vegetables in my beer. I mean, there's a strange brew fest which happens in January up in Port Townsend where Jesse lives, where people come together and put weird stuff in beer and uh you know some of it works some of it doesn't but like a reese's peanut butter cup stout is delicious uh also they had a jalapeno lager which i that was my favorite one there is spicy they had like one they had a a uh cabernet beer which was really good so you know this can happen uh they you can make a flavored beer that that is not completely disgusting but I think it still has to taste like beer. I think that that is the the main thing with it. I agree. I mean, I just picked up a, a, a seasonal pack from Pyramid that had this uh, lovely snowcap in it, uh, and it also had a a chai wheat beer, hmm. which was nigh undrinkable. Mm. I only I only drank two of the three. I couldn't finish off the third one. <laughs> Lydia put it in a stew, which was actually a good call. It tasted delicious. But let's just let's just stick with beer. I, there's so many ways to explore just inside of of the ales and the lagers. Let's go ahead and just stick in this area for a while before we branch out and put every freaking vegetable in a beer. I agree. Scale it back. But at the brewery where I work, mm. we make a green tea ale that tastes bomb. Oh, I love it, man. That actually does sound pretty good. And I I just want to get to this real quick. We also got an email from Levi Reekin. Uh, Levi, I'm sorry I pronounced your name wrong last time. He says, hey, guys, loving the cast. Got wind of it from the guys at Bald Move, and I've enjoyed your banter and musings for the past few weeks. Thanks for showing that all nerdy people aren't complete nerds. That's our, that's really <laughs> our, our goal, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, and he wants to recommend uh, early recommendation, the 25th anniversary Back to the Future Blu-ray set with commentary. This sounds awesome. Levi, uh, he, he, he noticed that I would specifically enjoy this as there are two tracks, two commentary tracks for each movie, and there's a ton of extras. He does say that it has the video from the Back to the Future ride that was at Universal Studios. That was also on the special edition DVD because I have it. And uh, and if I there you go. And if I had a Blu-ray set, I would totally buy this. But uh, I really want to give I really want to I really want to give a shout out to Levi here because 
he says that uh, that Back to the Future is uh, the best trilogy ever made, and I completely agree with that. Well, we'll see when Predator Three comes out. Yeah. I guess they made Predators. So. They made Predators. I never saw that. Yeah, I, I think uh, something a lot more terrifying. It's a movie coming out next year. It's called Redditors. <laughs> and with that, we're going to move on to a uh, little tiny Matt roll-off. Each of us are going to roll a 20-sided die to see who gets to speak first on this podcast. Jesse, are you ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh-oh. What did you roll? I rolled a two. I rolled a one. Oh! Whoa! Whoa! I can't believe I won that. <laughs> King of the cast? King of the cast again. Four of the last five. Wow, that's crazy. All right, so what's your first topic, Jimbo? I do I do just want to say I really want to watch a football game where the score the final score is three to two. That would be epic. I gotta look that up to see if it's ever happened. I'm sure it hasn't. <laughs> I'm sure it hasn't. So, uh, for my first topic, I want to talk about, you, you know, voter season's coming up. And voter by season? voter season, I mean open hunting season on voters. Right, exactly. No, I mean, it's time to vote uh, for your local senator, mm. congress person, yeah. uh, county commissioner. Mm-hmm. Treasurer. Uh, treasurer, so on. Secretary but, of State. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's an important one. Yep. I do love that there is still a position called the treasurer. Like, uh-huh. I have all the treasure. <laughs> I am in charge of our treasure. I just picture someone, like, rubbing a mound of gold coins with rubies. <laughs> On their face. Yeah. Ah, treasure. <laughs> I can't believe I get paid for this. So, uh, this is coming out of the New York Times. Mm. Computer security experts have identified vulnerabilities in the voter registration databases in two states. Do you want to guess what those states are, Eric? Arizona. Mm? And New Mexico. No. It's Maryland and Washington State. Very close. So, uh, there, there are vulnerabilities in these uh, voter registration programs which can be exploited by quote and i'm adding the quotes here hackers uh-huh and um here's what the real problem is a- according to this article the problem is that both states uh all the information required uh from voters to log into the system is publicly available well yeah <laughs> That's a pretty big oversight. And that's why I decided to use hacker in quotes there, because that's not really hacking. Yeah. I mean, how is that even possible? So I'm sorry, can you can you repeat that? So what what information is public? All the information required from voters to log into the system is uh-huh. publicly available. And this is just but this is just the voter registration logs, right? Right. Yeah. But here's what the thing is. Obviously, you can't use this information to vote. Right. But what you can do is use this information to make sure that someone is never going to see their voter ballot. Or perhaps uh, make it so that you can vote a bunch of times. (laughs) Well, maybe they might catch on to the fact that like 7,000 ballots all got mailed to one address. (laughs) Because that's the thing, is that Washington is a mail-in only state. You only exactly. vote by, you only vote by mail. Right. Right. 
But, you know, I, I think it might be a little obvious if, like, you redirected all the ballots to one place. Yeah, unless it was a nursing home. Ooh, good point. Or, or a graveyard. Yep. <laughs> I mean, what's the difference? Right. <laughs> I don't well. know. The thing, like, where I am with this, because I mm. love the idea of, like, making it easier to vote. And I think that, like... You should be able to vote online in this day and yeah. age. Well, in some states, you shouldn't be able to vote unless you can pr- produce your birth certificate and a list of uh, distinguishing birthmarks. Yeah, and, and um, some references to prove your work history. <laughs> exactly. Would be nice. Yep. But I don't know. I, I like the idea of making it easier to vote and uh-huh. easier to vote online. I would love it if like everyone could just like log on to your Facebook and vote, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is we should be making voting as accessible as possible, not not hindering people from, from actually casting their voice. Right. But uh, my thing is, do hackers inherently have the edge over security? Well, I think that you're, you are going down a slippery slope here. I mean, there is a lot of... There's a lot of security in analog voting that would really need to be looked at if if we did go to an online voting system. Because uh-huh. now there's basically like a branch of the CIA that is all hackers. Like the United States is actually committing cyber war cyber acts of war on other countries, which is awesome. It is pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, and that also means that they are also in defense, <laughs> because I'm sure there are people who are trying to uh, commit cyber acts of war on the United States. Oh, certainly. So, I mean, maybe they could set up a security system that would be flawless, but do you really think that that's feasible? I mean, and- I don't know. That's that's why I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. like. I- it seems like no matter how secure you feel with online, because you make a ton of online interactions all right. the time, like right. password, yep, credit, credit card, yep, all sorts of stuff. Yep. And I, I, I just feel like no matter how secure it is, there's someone out there who, if they went rogue, could go above it, and maybe that's the person that helped create these defenses. I don't know. Is yeah, there I mean, a way to make like? It, would there be a way to make online voting secure and unhackable? I don't think so because it has to be so uh, – voting has to be so accessible to a, to a lot of different things. So like, So this is, uh, this is why each state runs its own voting system. So that's why you have a secretary of state in the state of Washington that you elect because he's in charge of the voting. He, he makes sure that voting is legit, right? Right. Uh, and – you know, I live in Seattle, which means that on my ballot that is going to have Barack Obama and Mitt Romney's name on it, which is going to arrive in the mail soon, that ballot is also going to have state of Washington initiatives, state of Washington representatives. It's going to have uh, King County uh, initiatives on there, and it's going to have city of Seattle initiatives. They're all going to be on the same ballot. So to be able mm-hmm. to have something that's so specialized to a person's direct zip code uh, – and, and make it work on a large scale, on a national scale, I don't think it could ever really be secure. That's interesting. But maybe you could, maybe like for, let's just stick to presidential here. Mm-hmm. What if like the presidential was uh, 
orchestrated on some sort of grander scale and um well, yeah, everyone I- could vote online or you could vote by mail or vote however everyone had like one accessible vote and do you think now it would be possible to let's just say vote entirely online or through mail you have your choice yeah and then eliminate the uh the electoral college well the electoral college is bullshit to begin with agreed uh, but so in the 2008 presidential election uh roughly i'm just looking at the numbers here roughly uh 130 million people cast their vote which is pretty good i mean that's uh that's a little less than half of the us population right you, but you think if this was the case, if they made it this easy to vote, that you'd have a lot more people voting, and you would uh, you would also uh, be able to have real time stats. So none of this like counting Chad's bullshit. Like, oh, the that's vote is interesting, though. Yeah. Do you do you if if you could vote? Yeah. In real time, would yeah. you let the stats out? Because right. that might that might rally votes one way or the other. Oh yeah, it totally could. That's really interesting. Like that's you an could, interesting question. You could see like if somebody has an insurmountable lead, then you'd be like, I'm not going to vote, or like, <laughs> or like, or get the Tea Party out. Right. Or like if there's like a very slim lead, then you're like calling up your like incoherent grandparents, being like, vote for this person now. <laughs> like it, it it could have a huge impact on the election. Well, that that's actually an interesting point you bring up there, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I I've raised some possibly controversial points at this juncture, and uh, if you disagree or you do agree, please send us an email. I'd like you to weigh in. Yeah. But Eric, here's an opinion I have. Okay. You know how we have a uh, minimum voting age of eighteen? <laughs> yeah. I think we definitely need a maximum voting age. And what would that be? Uh, 38. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Yeah. Guess what? Uh, well, no, I, I don't think it should be 38, but I think if there's a realistic chance that you're not going to live through the next four <laughs> oh, years, you don't get to vote. Well, I think that that, I don't, I don't like that idea. I like it. If I, you I'm fought sorry. in World War II, you should be able to vote. Uh, I don't know if if like the decision you're making, mm-hmm. you're not even going to live long enough to see the see it through. Yeah. I don't think you should get a voice in it. Oh well, that that is controversial. <laughs> if if you disagree or agree with Jesse, please email us at personalarrogance at gmail dot com. We got to move on. Let's... Uh, my first topic this week is going to be uh, something come up in the news lately. Uh, I don't know if you've heard too much about what's happening with Lance Armstrong. Um, that the French decided to throw a parade, a ticker tape parade in his honor. <laughs> I don't think so. And hail him a hero, uh-huh. a hero yeah. of the Louvre. So he, uh, basically he got all of his Tour de France titles stripped what? Uh, from U.S. Cycling. Uh, and he got dropped by Nike. And he also has today passed over the... Uh, the chairmanship of the Livestrong organization, he's backed off from that organization, so he's no longer associated with them. Huh. Uh, all because of doping allegations. Nothing has ever been proven in a court or anything. Yeah. It's all based off of allegations. Dude, it is... This is our 
our century's biggest haterade incident. Well, that's so what. I, so I was I was listening to sports radio this morning as I want to do, and they were saying that hands down, Lance Armstrong is the biggest cheat in sports. Wow. And I'm like, dude, that is bullshit. There's people biting other people's ears off in boxing <laughs> matches, but Lance Armstrong is a yeah. cheater. Well, I mean, let's 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 look at the numbers here. So, uh, as you know, uh, for baseball, for a long time, uh, you know, we had the steroid era. I don't think we're completely out of the steroid era. I think that steroids have just got more sophisticated, personally. Uh, <laughs> but we had the steroid era, and, and 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 it's it's this big travesty that baseball players are using steroids, like. Oh my God! They 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 have the potential to make millions of dollars, and uh, <laughs> it's 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 absolutely crazy to me. Of course, they're going to do steroids if everyone else is doing steroids. Well, and, that's the point: is well, that no one should be doing steroids, or everyone has to do steroids. <laughs> well, and this is and this is the thing. So, if you call Lance Armstrong the biggest cheat in the history of sports, you are taking a completely blind eye to the. The next 30 people in line going 45 miles an hour up a mountain. See, it's, yeah, exactly. It's not even the next 30 people. This, this is just what they do in cycling. Yeah. So when Lance Armstrong won his seven titles, he was competing against a bunch of people who were blood doping. Oh, certainly. You think the guy in second place wasn't doing it? Exactly. Exactly. You're crazy. And every single person was blood doping, and Lance Armstrong still beat them all. Seven years in a row. Yeah. And never got caught. Never got caught. By their standards. Never got caught. And, and, you know, this is the other thing. This is like with Barry Bonds. It's like, yes, Barry Bonds juiced. Like, like I'm sorry. Like, uh, that, that, that that's, uh, I know that must be very shocking to everyone. But, but okay, was Barry Bonds, like, caught by uh, the regulatory system in place? He was never caught, but he did admit, he was never caught by Major League Baseball. Okay. Uh, he did admit to it in a grand jury testimony, I believe. Uh, but he said he didn't know that he was taking steroids, but he did take them. That's okay. That's a weird standpoint. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, is Barry Bonds, the season where he hit 73 home runs, it was 2001. He also set the single season record for walks that year. Okay. Nobody was pitching to him. He would see maybe one pitch every two games that was anywhere near being able to be hit out of the park. And what did he do? He hit it out of the park. Okay. That, that kind of makes it even worse, Eric. Why? Because he was getting, no one would even pitch to him. Right. And then when people pitch to him, he's still, (laughs) even without that, he still set the record. Yes, exactly. Because he has, he has an inherent skill. He's like the best hitter of all time. He could see that one pitch to hit a game and hit it square enough to hit it over the fence. It doesn't matter how strong you are. There are a ton of people who are very strong. And, yes, strength does play a certain factor in hitting home runs, but you still have to hit the pitch square on the on the, on the the seams to get it out of the ballpark. Yeah, And he was able to do totally that. Totally true. And so, yes, Lance Armstrong probably blood doped. I, 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 this, is, this, is, this probably happened. But he's still the greatest cyclist of all time because – he with it, it was it was an even playing field that he was on. He was on a even playing field with all the other people he was cycling against, and he still beat them seven years in a row. And he I, beat cancer. I, 
I agree. I mean, yeah. like history will shine upon that era the way it will shine upon it. Like people will right. look at it and be like, well, those records were set during the blood doping era or like those home run records were set during the juicing era. Right. That's just how it was back then. And now it's different. So we look upon those people differently as we look upon the people now, but we can still admire the people now in a different light. It doesn't detract from our era because other things were happening back then because you're aware of it and you look upon it and you kind of make those adjustments in your brain when you look yeah. at the stats from yeah. back then. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it, it, and it's still happening, especially in cycling. <laughs> oh mean, yeah, it's, totally. it's, just, it's just the base. Like, do you know what blood doping is? It's just taking your blood out and putting it back in at a higher altitude, right? Well, yeah, basically you take your blood out and then you put the blood back in your body when you're full of blood and it increases your red blood cell count. Yeah, that's so it. that you can transfer more oxygen to your lungs and your and your uh and your muscles. And it's like uh People are also saying, well, you know, he did steroids. He didn't do steroids. He did blood doping. <laughs> These are different things. They might both yeah. be performance enhancing, but they are they are different things. Dude, it's pure haterade. It is. It's it's pure haterade. It's like welcome to the world that we live in. I mean, that's like <laughs> saying that uh, you know uh, that you know when Ichiro set the single season hits record, nobody was saying, well, you know, he did get to play in twenty more games than George Sessler did. They didn't play one hundred sixteen games in eighteen ninety eight. Oh, and also they didn't have Mizuno making like optimized bats, and they didn't have uh, high performance Nike cleats. Like, yeah. it's all, it's really, if you want to look at it, it's the technology of the times. And yeah. sports are always played in the technology of the times. And guess what? That's why records keep getting broken. <laughs> it would be boring otherwise. It would be boring otherwise. Know what my solution is what? to this whole uh, Lance Armstrong thing? What? I think we should officially take France off of the winners of World War II. Because they were performance enhanced by the United States? Exactly. You only won with <laughs> United States assistance, buddies. You're a loser. Germany won. Germany beat you now. You're officially back in the loser bracket of World War II, France. <laughs> this is Deal the, with it. Well, see, this is the interesting thing about blood doping is that uh, blood doping used by the U.S. military. Special yeah. for, special forces do use blood doping. Mm -hmm. Why? And they 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 struck some guy's record for skeet shooting <laughs> just because he used a predator drone. Exactly. I mean, it's used by the military. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not saying that blood doping is a good thing. I'm not saying steroids are a good thing. I'm just saying players play in the environment that they're in. And yeah, if totally. you're in an environment where everybody's doing steroids. You know what? If it's if it's if there are millions of dollars at stake, you're you're probably going to join the club. And as a historian, like you realize that when you know the time, like yeah. you don't you don't even like you can't even compare old NFL to new NFL when you look at like uh passing records because right. of like the rules about how you can handle a wide receiver now have changed so dramatically. Exactly. And you didn't even used to be able to throw the ball in football. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like the Ford Pass was popularized. Right. Like, okay, so it must have been a different game back then. Yeah. That's what I hate about people who, like, 
bitch and moan about football now like oh you can't even touch a wide receiver it's so <laughs> ridiculous all you can do is hold their hand and escort them downfield for a touchdown it's like okay why are you watching the game then like <laughs> obviously the game that you are so fond of is totally different yeah. now so i don't know watch rugby or something and you can't actually hold their hand after five yards <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, you can throw flowers in front of them, but let's get rid of the whole, like, these people are cheaters things, because that's the other thing is that people love to love to bemoan, uh, Barry Bonds for hitting a bunch of home runs and using steroids, but nobody's stripping the giants of their 2003 or 2002 national league championship that he played on. Right? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's stripping these teams of their titles because they had steroid players. Yeah, that's a, it it becomes a lot it, it becomes a different beast when it moves from an individual sport to a team sport. Right. Like and, how do you and, penalize the team because that's not fair even if there is a cheater on your team like how do you handle that? Yeah. I'm you know, it's 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 all a little ridiculous. The only the only the only thing that they actually do that in is college sports. Where if uh, one player gets paid uh, to play, gets paid to play a sport that he's threatening his life to play, uh, then the entire team gets their national championship stripped, and future uh, versions of that team don't get to play games that are meaningful. I'm really sick and tired of people saying that these people are cheaters. Like I said, they're playing in the time. The 1919 uh, uh, White Sox, they were actually they were actually cheaters. They actually threw the World Series. That's what cheating is. Yeah. Cheating isn't playing in the time that you're that you're playing in. I hate to say it, Eric. What? I agree with you. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so with that, if if we've offended you or if we've lit a fire under your ass, please email us at personalarrogance at gmail dot com. It's time for some trivia, Jesse. Are you ready? So let's move on. Alright. So uh now we're gonna do some trivia. Um we're gonna be doing genus one of trivial pursuit. Uh, and I'm going to be rolling a die here to see which category we're going to be doing. Uh, we're doing one. It's geography. Great. I love it. Jesse, this question is for you. Please play along at home. What's the world's highest waterfall? That would be Victoria Falls. Ah, damn. I was going to say that. I'll go with Niagara. Angel Falls. Where, what, where is that? Um, It's in, uh, I'm pretty sure it's in, uh, Patagonia area. Ah, jeez. Yeah. This is why I get forgetting all my records from 1850. You know, Angel Angel Falls is doping, so <laughs> I think it should be disqualified. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my first question is, what city sewer tour gets no stars in the Michelin green guy? <laughs> no stars. No stars for the sewer tour. Weird. Uh, I'll go with, uh, I'll just go with London. I'll go with Rome? Paris. Weird. Oh, all right, Jesse, this one's for you. Uh, what country's... <laughs> Spelled like baguettes. No stars. <laughs> what country's currency is considered the most difficult to counterfeit? The most difficult to counterfeit currency in the world... You know, I know it's true now. I don't know how it was in 1983 when these questions were uh, produced. I'm going to say Australia. Okie doke. I'm going to just go with Canada. They get some tricky dollars up there. They do. Japan. We are doing great this week. (laughs) All right. This one's for me. 
What's the capital of Uganda? Uh, I'm going to say Shreveport. Uh, I'm going to say you not Gunda do it. <laughs> Kampala. All right. All right. You know what that means, Eric. It means it's geography tiebreaker time. We're going to read a geography question, and whoever is geographically closest to the answer wins the game. Here we go. What park contains Firehole River and Fairy Falls? Who's answering first? I believe it's you. Firehole River and Fairy Falls. What park? I'm going to say Yellowstone. That's what I was going to say. Pretty sure that's it. I'll go with Yosemite. Yellowstone National Park. You got it. (laughs) Pull out the V. Barely won that one. Just like I barely won the little tiny Matt Roloff, which brings us to my second topic. All right. What is it? So, um, I, I... I travel around in my friend groups as something of a board game fan. Right. I don't know if you would have expected that. Probably not. And I get asked this question a lot. I want to bring it up. Um, it's something possibly we've covered it before in the podcast briefly, but yep. I think it deserves its own segment. Um, uh-huh. What are some great two-player games? Right. I find this to be... A big question, especially now that I'm getting a little bit older, uh-huh. a little bit wiser, yep. and a little bit more isolated. I mean, <laughs> three, four-player games are great when you're in college. you got your college buddies, you know, you can have your game night, whatever. No problem finding an extra person who wants to hang out and waste some time. But then, you know, you graduate, you find a job, you move out of town, and suddenly it's kind of just you and your SO. Right. And he kind of got to, you know, Settlers of Catan isn't going to do it anymore because that's a three-player game. Yep, you need at least three. Yeah, so you got to kind of whittle it down, and you're hard-pressed to find some great games that are going to work with two players. And it's really a challenge. All right, so what do you, what do you think, J-Dog? Well, I'm going to throw the first one out, uh-huh. which is my favorite one I've been playing recently is Agricola. I've talked about it on the podcast before. It's an Really great, complex, uh, German-style farm sim game yep. that works. It actually works really well with two players. I'm super stoked because it costs like $60 if you pick it up retail. <laughs> but like that was such a great investment. I've gotten a lot of great hours out of that game. Yeah. And uh, for a two-player game, I think it's great. Agricola. Well, do you have one you want to throw out? I I do, but before that, I want to. I just want to say, you know, people don't bat an eye at spending sixty dollars on the new Call of Duty, <laughs> but if yeah. you spend sixty dollars on a board game, your your cost per hour on that board game, I feel like, has so much more potential to be low than a than a video game. I Unless agree. That video I games do. like Skyrim or something. That's all the like cost-benefit analysis right. I do in my brain. Skyrim is a great investment. Halo, yes. for me, was too. Like, the hours yes. I've gotten out of those. But, like, Red Dead Revolver, or Red Dead Redemption, I didn't right. get a great return on. Right. Whereas Agricola, especially if you're counting both people interacting, like, I've easily... I've definitely broken the $1 an hour level on that. Yeah, I mean, that's how I feel about Arkham Horror. Arkham Horror, not a good two-player game, but... 
Isn't it though? Because I wanted to bring that one up. I thought it might be a good one. Uh, I think I, I've read on some forums that Arkham Horror would be good if you're playing with two player. Then each player should play two characters. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Which I am not a big fan of that idea, just because I like to kind of role play my character. Uh huh. And I feel like you lose some of that uh, speciality. That's true. It's it, you're you're playing more of the game than right. the character when right. you take on two. Right, but I do. Um, I'm going to steal this one, Jesse, because I knew you were going to say it. But Block is duo. Oh God, that's yeah. the thing. Block is duo is the thing. Block is duo is a game that you can teach and learn in less than thirty seconds, <laughs> and uh, and you get uh, infinite uh, fun out of it. Yeah, dude. I I honestly think that might be one of the best. I think that might be the best two player game that I have encountered. Yeah. I, that's the reason I'm so drunk tonight. Because <laughs> <laughs> you played a lot of Block as Duo? Well, my coworker was <laughs> asking me, like, what are some good two-player games? Because, like, his girlfriend's kind of a gamer, but they're they're kind of on that threshold of where they could actually be gamers, but they're right. not really because they haven't been introduced to the right stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, he asked me, like, what are some t- good two-player games today, which kind of spurred in my brain where this segment would come from. Right. And I mentioned... uh two-player block is and then uh we talked about it for a while i was like actually i think it's in my car right now because i never took it out of my car the uh-huh. last time that i because i took it on the bachelor party you know yeah never took it out of my car so um i clocked off before he did i went to the bar i was just gonna drink one beer right and then he comes in his and he went into my car and got the game <laughs> I brought it back. It was like it was like, sorry, I went into your car, but do you want to play this? And then, uh, so we played a game, and then his girlfriend showed up, and they played a game. Then I played a game against his girlfriend, and by the time that was over, I'd I'd had a few. So yep, I, I had a really good afternoon. And now that's happening. <laughs> so and now that's happening. Yeah, I mean, block is duo. You can't go wrong. And plus, I think it's like twenty bucks. It's so cheap. You can get it like Fred. I yeah, bought mine Fred at Meyer. Fred Meyer. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, so Block is still a big plus. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to uh, uh, Citadels as a two-player yeah. game. Excellent two-player game, and I actually kind of prefer it as a two-player game than to like a four-player game. I agree. It it becomes a lot more of like a mind game at right? two players, and you get uh, things like the magician and the bishop, which uh, those cards are kind of underused, I think, in a larger scale game become very useful in a two-player game. Yeah, definitely the magician. If you can offload your bad hand on someone, right? pretty money. Uh, Hill 218, of course. Battle for Hill 218, you can't get enough of it. In Carcassonne, I cannot understate. Again, I told yes. this to my friend. His girlfriend has an iPad, so I was like, get the Carcassonne yeah. app. app on your iPad. It's $15. It, it is the whole game, and it's freaking good. App it up, man. App it up. Um... So, yeah, the other ones I had to say, Blood Bowl Team Manager, I like a lot as a two-player game. Never played it two-player. If you can get if you can get your SO into that flavor, <laughs> yeah, that's which a is a tough. challenge, it's yeah. good. And uh, the other two, Magic the Gathering. Oh, of course. And that's, that's... chess, man. Chess, mm. underrated. I don't Do you know about this chess rule that if you get a pawn to the edge of the board, it turns into a queen? It turns into any piece you want. See, I never knew this rule. Are you what? I never knew that rule until like two days ago. That's a big part of the game. It blew my mind. Wow, I, I can't believe you didn't know that. 
It completely blew my mind. And why would you ever want it to not be a queen? There are certain situations where a knight is better than a queen. Huh. Masturbatable. Well, it, it can move. It, it moves in a different pattern than that, a queen can. Well, that is true. All right. Well, uh, so those are two-player <laughs> games. My uh, second topic this week is going to be a new topic, uh, and I'm calling this one R slash Ask Arrogance. Oh, uh, or I'm going to take some questions from the r slash ask reddit reddit and ask them to the arrogance. We need to start r slash ask arrogance. R slash ask arrogance, yes. Uh, so uh, the first question, Jesse, what is the most horrifying scene you remember from a movie? Ah, uh, Well, that would be the miracle of life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, most horrifying scene. I I, I could go first if you want to. Yeah, think about go it. first. Uh, I mean, it immediately comes to mind, and it's something that has. I still get. I still cringe when I even think about it, and it's from my childhood. It's from the movie Home Alone, <laughs> when Kevin uh coats the stairs in tar. So oh, that and the, the, the nail. Guys, yeah, the guy's shoes come off, and then he steps on the nail, and they show the nail oh. going into his foot. I remember that being super traumatic to I my sister. I couldn't watch it. I always had to close my eyes. Dude, it was seriously cringeworthy. Yeah, and I remember because, and then the music is like the those violins, like yeah, yeah, totally the whole time. And then he's, and then I would just close my eyes and wait for him to scream. The thing is, it was super traumatic to my sister because uh-huh. my sister has stepped on two count of two <laughs> nails in the wild in her life. <laughs> Jeez. So, like, Ed had to go get the tetanus shots and everything. Man. So, yeah, that's definitely cringeworthy. Yeah. I have one, though. What is it? It's from my recent life. Uh-huh. And actually, I have a really, really, really sad one that I might not get to. Uh-huh. But the one that's not super sad <laughs> is um the movie Ironclad. Uh-huh. And the, the guy from Big Fish, you know, that big fat guy who's, like, the dad or something? yep. yep. Anyway, he's in that, and he's like a duke. Uh-huh. So it's like these dukes. It's all about the Magna Carta, like the dukes trying to uh, corner the king into signing the Magna Carta. Right. And he gets like he gets captured, and they cut his hands off. Uh-huh. And it's pretty rough justice watching him get his hands cut off. <laughs> I'm sure it is. And there's also that scene in uh, Casino Royale where they wail on his nards. Yeah, with the, they wail on his nards, yeah. With the rope. That one's pretty rough. <laughs> Uh, so the next question, Jesse, where I work, I have the ability to make my own silicone wristbands. What saying slash quote slash joke would you put on one? Oh, man. I was hoping it was going to turn into, what cool thing do you make at your work? Because <laughs> no. that's like the one thing I do. <laughs> See, on mine, I think that uh, the saying, if I could put any saying on a silicone wristband, it would be, uh, put it on the pizza. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I was tempted to go with something like WWJD oriented, but yeah. I don't know. Like, what would Jesse do? Yeah, exactly. I'd just do WWJD. Excellent. And then no in my heart. So if people don't know uh, what put on the pizza is, please, uh, please type in the YouTube Olsen Twins Pizza Slow. And uh, that might actually be the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. No. It's like being on acid watching it's- that video. It's really not as bad as the full speed version. 
All right, here's what I would put on a wristband. Uh huh. What would Jesus turn into wine? Perfect. That's good. That's a good one. Because uh, like people would see what would Jesus and then mm-hmm. <laughs> turn into wine. Uh, turn into wine. How would you sum up Reddit in three words? Circle jerk. That's two words, Jesse. I know. How about not funny anymore? <laughs> are you over Reddit? Oh, I'm so over Reddit, yeah, man. Yeah, I sure you are. Contrarian. <laughs> uh, I I would just put a. I would just call it the entire internet because that's kind of what it is. I mean, it, I'm always a little apprehensive to tell people that I go on Reddit, not on this podcast, obviously, but in real life because I feel like Reddit has a lot of stigma around it because Reddit is the internet. Like, yes, yeah. there are a lot of horrifying things. But there are also a lot of really great things on Reddit. I I I joined a softball league on Reddit. Like there there's some great things on Reddit, and there's also some terrible things because it represents the entire internet. What about anonymity meets blowhardiness? Oh, I like that one. That's yeah. good. All right, I I have no trouble spending money on new tech or gear, but can never bring myself to update my wardrobe. Any advice on the best and most cost-effective way to update one's wardrobe? Goodwill. See, I would Goodwill is okay, but I don't know if you're going to be updating it in the right way. When I was That's true. If I was, you want to go in a hipster direction. Yeah, when I was when I was a when I was a starving college student trying to be fashionable, uh I would hit up I would hit up TJ Maxx, not going to lie. Get your TJ, TJ Maxx, Maxx on. is good and so is Ross, man. There's good yeah, shit at Ross. Ross. Get in like uh Marshalls, same same boat. So hit up that shit if you need some clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reddit, what is your best drunk story in six words or less? Oh, wow. That's a great question. If you get 50 plus upvotes, you have to tell the full story. Well, that's kind of lame. <laughs> my, I, I have this. Uh, my best drunk story in six words or less is, are you still wearing those pants? <laughs> Ah, uh, jeez. I don't know. I'm kind of on the spot here. I just know when I was you in college. You only turned 21 once. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that's it. Definitely that. <laughs> yeah. When I was in college, the first time I uh, I really got blackout drunk was my first night at college. And I ended up puking. And then I didn't want people to know that I puked, but I was drinking a bunch of uh, vodka with like a Kool-Aid chaser. So it was like bright pink puke. I don't want people to know that I puked. So my friends come in the bathroom to see what's wrong with me. And I'm sitting in my puke trying to cover it up. I don't have any recollection of any of this. But then I somehow wake up the next morning in my bed. uh, And I walk out into the common room of our dorm. And my two friends look at me and they're like, are you still wearing those pants? And oh, I like I... look behind me like in slow motion and there's just puke all over my pants. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. See, I hate getting drunk. Yeah, I know. I getting... hate it. Like I love beer, but I hate the consequences yeah, of well, it. Well, I I I don't mind the getting buzzed or even severely buzzed, but once it starts I've tra- actually trained myself to do this now, which is nice. Is once it starts to get a little tipsy, that's when I stop. Because I know that once you pass that threshold, it's just not getting any better. And the older you get, the worse it gets. That's absolutely true. Yeah. All right. I have one more for you. Is it possible for humanity to plunge into a new middle age? 
No. <laughs> I think it could, but I think that it would be a, a like a new, new middle age. Where we would still have technology, and it would just be really depressing because people would just be like so wrapped up. We still have television, but it would just be like really sad and drawn out. Yeah, that that that's not a middle age. That's a depression. Yeah, no, but it would be like people would still only live to like thirty years old. There wouldn't be any medicine or anything, but there'd still be television. Uh no, that's that's not a thing that can happen. <laughs> Right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you have any answers to these questions, please get in touch with us. You can always email us at personalarrogance.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Personal Podcast. Uh, you can go over to our Facebook page. We have a Personal Arrogance Facebook page. We also have the Bald Move page. We post on both of them. I need to give a shout-out to Amy Baker and Rob Gomez, who was our drunk uh, phone-in guy last week, uh, for liking us on <laughs> Facebook this week. And uh, and please rate and review us on iTunes if you get a chance. That always helps us so much. And we love it when you do that. But if you can't do any of those things, the least you could do is tell a friend about the podcast. That would be awesome. Great. Yeah, I do want to also say uh, please check out bellmove.com. Check Absolutely. out our great podcasts in the network. Right. And and The Walking Dead is starting up. So that yeah. means that The Watching Dead is also starting up and that you can't get better uh, commentary on The Walking Dead than The Watching Dead. Not even from Chris Hardwick. Whoa. Bold, bold statement. That's a bold move, Eric. Yep, it is. So for my first recommendation, mm-hmm. um, this is something that's happening the day of our release. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this on Friday or later, then uh, what the hell took you so long? <laughs> Thursday Night Football, baby. ESPN yeah. or NFL no- Network. I forget which one. It's, it's NFL Network. Big, big game mm-hmm. for the Seattle Super Seahawks. You bet. So, uh, watch that. Seahawks at 49ers tomorrow or tonight. Tonight. Tonight at 530. Football. In the post meridian. Hit that up. Uh, I actually have a football related one. My first record is going to be the league. It's a show on FX and, uh, the first three entire seasons are on Netflix to watch instantly. And it is a show about a fantasy football league and it's hilarious in a very broish sort of way, but not like, to- not as broish as workaholics, but like just a broish level lower than workaholics. Is it good? The league? I love the league. I'm looking for new series to watch. Yeah, dude, and you can pour through it. It's like one of those 21 minute uh, Netflix shows that you could just pour through. All right. Tasha and I just like destroyed uh, Futurama. Yep. So, yeah, we're, I just destroyed a new. New blood. I destroyed Peep Show and uh, the Larry Sanders Show. Mm. So now I'm going to destroy the league. Well, uh, speaking of the league, uh-huh. my uh, – I, I mean I, I was shit-talking Reddit so hard. But <laughs> the one uh, subreddit, one of the subreddits I still have faith in. <laughs> Do you know what it is, Eric? Along with uh, – it, it, this is along with Birds with Arms, right? Of course. I mean, yep. that should be its own website. But our NFL, man, it's a really good website. Uh, really? Because I'm on RMLB and it is not good. Dude, NFL is good. It's a yeah. really positive community and they have like power rankings. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. It, it was cool because like, remember when like Matt Castle got injured and uh, there was that big controversy? But like yep. immediately it was like a very supportive, like, hey, let's be adult about this game, guys, right. kind of environment. Instead of like injuries. 
instead of deteriorating into like the gladiatorial right. spirit that it that football can turn into. Well, what did they say when the Seahawks beat the Packers? Uh put it on the pizza. <laughs> That's what I thought. Put it on the Packers. Uh, yeah, yeah, put it on the Packers. Um and then my fa- my final uh, recommendation this week is going to be a game. It's called Fiasco. Have you heard about this game? I have not, Eric. This is what they call a story game, which is a uh, a, a GMless or pen and paper RPG. And if you want to see how it's played, Will Wheaton did a episode of Tabletop where he played it. Uh, What's it called? It's, it's called Fiasco. And basically, what it is is you just kind of sit around and you make up a story with your friends using a structured set of rules. Uh, and that's what a story game is. Fiasco is basically playing a Coen Brothers movie or a Guy Ritchie movie, if you will, uh, something like Snatch, if we want to bookend this thing, uh, that everything kind of just goes wrong for everybody. Everybody has the best intentions, but everything goes wrong for everyone. That's kind of the theme behind Fiasco. And it give, there, you can either play it with themes or you can come up with your own theme, but they release a new theme every week on their website. And uh, it's really fun. I really love this game. And it's a great way to get into story games, which are kind of this whole uh, world of RPGs that uh, that that are really fun and really imaginative. And it's a way to just kind of flex your creative muscle every once in a while. So I'm giving Fiasco my two points this week. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely getting ahead of the ball here, mm-hmm. but like... Games that I want to play with my daughter when she's young, because like yep. I've been I've been thinking about like trying to make like a very very rudimentary D and D to play oh, with yeah. like my young daughter and her yep. friends and stuff, and like making these fun storytelling games because like D and D is uh-huh. essentially a storytelling yeah, game that's what with is. like a with like this weird like tactical thing right attached yeah. to it, but like I kind of want to make this fun storytelling thing that I can play with like like eight year olds you know well I have, I have two things to say about this first of all story games are great because uh, D&D can oftentimes become a very competitive uh, very competitive game between either the players and, the, and each other or the players in the DM right um, and and story games are more, much more of a collective storytelling experience, which is a lot more which is a lot more rewarding in some ways. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love D and D. And then the other thing is that I was reading this post on Reddit because I'm on the RRPG Reddit, and uh, this this guy was saying that he taught his uh, his 12 year old son how to play D and D, and his son after a few sessions was like, I want to DM. So he let his son DM, and he said it was actually awesome. Uh-huh. Because for some reason, kids are great DMs. They like uh, they they kind of take out that whole competitive nature, and they're basically just trying to make the story as fun as possible. Yeah, I could totally get into that. Yeah, like there there are a lot of people on the Reddit that saying you know they they've taught Dungeons and Dragons to their kids, and that their kids make great DMs because it's more about just creating this cool world and like having fun than it is about trying to destroy your players. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think I could totally get into one of these more yeah. of a cooperative thing even than a, a DM-oriented thing. Well, I will give a shout-out. Uh, this is the third amendation. Uh, I, I do I attend a meetup here in Seattle on Capitol Hill called uh, Story Game Seattle. And every week, uh, they 
bring different story games. You get to play all these different story games. That's where I played Fiasco. And not only do you get to play them, but there's a lot of people who actually wrote the games, these published games, come to this event, and you get to play the game with the people who wrote the game. That's awesome, It's super awesome. It's pretty. It's pretty cool to be able to be there and also play test some stuff with with actual game creators. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, I think that's about it for this week, man. Yeah, let's wrap it up, slap it on the bottom, and call it a podcast. All righty. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know how to get in touch with us, uh, and uh, please do. We love to hear from you, and you are what make this podcast so fun. So uh, remember that wherever you go this week. And whatever you do, please stay, stay arrogant. arrogant.